there. Welcome to the Female Empowerment Podcast. My name is Carly, and I'm a big believer in actively bringing about more goodness to our communities. It feels good to know that we're not alone and that someone else out there has experienced the same challenge we're facing now. Whether those challenges are related to business, motherhood, or general life as a woman, this podcast is a platform that I've created to allow women to share their inspirational stories and greatest business tips to help make your day just a little bit better and your life just a little bit easier. Keep listening to learn from our amazing guest of the day and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for joining me again today with the Female Empowerment Podcast. I'm so excited to share today's guest with you because she's someone that I personally have looked up to as I strive to find the best way to grow and run my business. Olivia Herrick is a graphic designer based in the Twin Cities of Minnesota and is best known for her playful, vibrant, and positive design projects. Her most well-known illustrations and musing on life have appeared on a variety of products across the globe. A chronic creator, Olivia Designs, and shares new work online each day. Though you will often find her glued to her computer at her studio, Olivia finds her greatest inspiration in the great outdoors. Thank you so much for being here with me, Olivia. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you. And um, for those who are just joining us, the Branding for Women podcast has changed its name to the Female Empowerment Podcast, so we can talk about things related to branding as well as other personal development and business development topics. So if you are new and just figuring things out, that's kind of where we are now. And I'm so excited to really dive into our conversation today with Olivia. So I was telling her before we even jumped on that I just personally really resonate with her. Olivia is a designer and I really, really look up to her and admire her. And she's really stood out to me in the design industry for several specific reasons. And those are some things I'd really love to share with you because as female business owners, I feel like there's a lot of things that we can relate to. So maybe we can go ahead and just start. Olivia, would you mind telling us just a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are now? Yeah. So I have been a designer professionally for 10 years, which is crazy, a decade. And I... I always had a feeling that I wanted to do something creative. My mom's very creative, so it was kind of ingrained in my being. And then in high school, I knew that I wanted to pursue design. I just kind of slowly arrived at thinking that graphic design would be a good route. And so went to school, studied design, also played golf in college. So golf and competitive golf are still a really big part of my life. And then I graduated and worked for full in full-time jobs for six years. So I was kind of like on and off. I worked full-time for five years. Then I started my studio. Then I got recruited by a client to come work for them full-time. So I closed my studio. Then I worked for them. Then I reopened my studio. So I like to share that because I think that sometimes people feel like the path is really linear. Like you do this and then you do this and then you do this. And, and that's really not how it has been for me at all. So that's how I got to where I am today. Now I run my studio full-time um, and I, we specialize in packaging, print, and visual branding design. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, something I really love about you, Olivia, is that you're not afraid to share your expertise with people who would probably be labeled as your competition or other like designers, other people in the industry that 
are trying to get to where you are now. You're so open with sharing things that you've learned. And I feel like that's really hard for most people. I know it's been hard for me in the past because you just feel like if someone comes and they're like, oh, hey, like, how do you do this? Then it's natural, <laughs> I think, to feel like, oh, I had to work really hard to like figure that out. Like I kind of yeah. think you should too, but, <laughs> but that's yeah. really not the best way. And I've seen this so much in how you talk about things like this. What's your opinion? How did you get to a place mentally where you felt comfortable sharing? Yeah, I would say, first of all, I didn't always feel that way. So I think it's really natural, um, especially when you're starting out to kind of be in this position where you, on one hand, need people to tell you what to do. But on the other, as you're learning, you're like, okay, now I don't want to just, I just spent, you know, days or weeks trying to learn this. I don't want to just tell someone and have them get the shortcut to where I've um, gotten. But for me personally, I would say it was two things. The first is I, when I started my studio, so when I went on on my own, so that was in 2015, I reached out to a bunch of designers and like, hardcore ghosted across the board. Nobody wrote back to me. If they did, they really didn't want to tell me anything about their process or how they price. And I totally get that. Like being really open is definitely not for everyone. And people are open in different areas of their life. Like I'm very private about my personal life, but I'm happy to be open about my business. And so after hitting those dead ends, I kind of vowed to myself that, you know, if I ever figured out what I was doing, I would be more of an open book for other creatives. And the second piece of it is just realizing, and some of this I think is age, you know, I'm 32. So I'm, I wouldn't consider myself like super young and green anymore, but I just kind of realized that like, I and myself, there is no one else who is me. So even if someone is doing the exact same steps that I use, you know, in my client process or using Dubsado or using the same programs that I use, they don't have my brain, they don't have my ideas. And so, you know, the logistical side of things in the design world is a huge part of what we do. But on the same token, there's a lot of like, intangible elements that come in that you can't teach people. So I've really come to this place where I'm like, I'm happy to share what I know in, in hopes of helping other people with the knowledge that I am unique and still myself and no one else will be me. So at the core and heart of my business, there's something I can never give away, you know, that kind of inherently makes me different. Thank you so much. I love that. And I share that with my clients as well as they, as we walk through their branding, trying to capture those things that are unique to them because that's going to help them stand apart from their competition. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that goes so much deeper when you think about it for yourself and how you're marketing yourself to other people and how you're helping other people. It goes so much deeper than I recently came across the idea that there's enough opportunity in the world for everyone. And that's an Mm -hmm. affirmation that I tell myself a lot so that I can feel more um, in control and feel more comfortable with the saturated market that we're in. (laughs) Um, But there's enough opportunity in the world for everyone. And this idea that there are things that are inherently unique about us goes even deeper than that. So somebody needs those really unique aspects of you. They need your special touch and those elements that you can provide that no one else can. Totally. And I think the 
as you get further into your career, what I realized personally is that also means that sometimes another designer will be a better fit than you. So I oftentimes will get an inquiry and I'll see, I kind of understand that they're looking for and be like, you know, I'm not the person for this. Like, could I do it? Totally. But is someone else going to do a better, you know, like grunge effect, you know, athletic logo? Probably. So I think that embracing the fact that we all have different skills and point of views. Um, yeah, it does free you up to feel like, okay, they're, they're the right people for me out there. And I don't have to stress out about, you know, trying to like hoard as many clients as I possibly can. Thank you so much. I've really been exploring this idea a lot. And I really appreciate you saying that it really resonates with me. Um, something else I've really learned a lot from you is how to set boundaries for yourself. Because I've noticed you are very personal like you keep your personal life personal and you don't Mm -hmm. share about it on social media and that's totally fine and you are so good at it (laughs) um being present without feeling like you need to share a bunch of pictures of your family which is something that personally is I know that idea is not for everybody um Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm also a very personal person (laughs) and so that's something that I've really been trying to implement more how did you make this decision and what have you done to help set boundaries for yourself, your personal life in business? I'd love to hear more from you about that. Yeah, I didn't always have boundaries. So first of all, just kind of tackling the Instagram component. You know, if you scroll back far enough, like you will see pictures of my husband and my dog and my house, like way deep back in there, like 2012, I definitely was just using this app the same way that everyone else was posting my tacos and, you know, our Christmas wreath on our front door. Um, So as this evolved to be more of a business avenue for me, it felt very natural to remove the personal elements of my life from here. I also am just, um, naturally a pretty private person. I I obviously have my close inner circles, but it feels like to me there's a really clear boundary of what I'm comfortable sharing. Like I don't have a huge gray area. It feels very defined for me. And that's not true of everybody. Sometimes and sometimes you learn that by trying. Like maybe you post a picture of your house or your family or whatever. Or even you share something in a caption and you're like, oh, you know what? That didn't sit right with me. I'm probably not going to do that again. And so I think it's important to like constantly see how you're feeling. Um, you know, when I was pregnant, I, it was very clear to me that I didn't want to share anything even remotely in this universe involving me being pregnant. And I really didn't tell my clients. I didn't tell anyone. And that runs pretty deep for me. And I think on the flip side of boundaries as just as a general designer and business owner, I have not always had great boundaries. Absolutely. I used to work, kind of be lightly working all the time, like 60 hours a week. I'd be watching a show at night with my husband. I'd be entering data into like a document. I would take client calls on the weekends. I would let my clients text me. And slowly over time, I started to just like set one boundary at a time. I think it's hard sometimes you, some of the conventional wisdom that you'll hear the nowadays just about from about entrepreneurship or running your own business in general is like 
stop doing all these things at the same time. And it's really overwhelming if it's the way that you're doing things right now. So if you're texting clients, taking calls at out hours, working all the time, it's going to be really hard to just stop doing everything that you're doing. But for me, I would just be like, okay, you know what? I don't want to get texted by clients anymore. So I add it into my contract. I don't text. I, I really deliver it in a certain way. Like during the day, I want to focus on your projects. So I can't text because I need to be focusing on your work. So I definitely massage it a little. So it's not just like, hey, please don't ever text me. Um, But I just started kind of like one by one adding boundaries in. And over time, that has really led to a nice separation between my work and my life. Like I wanted to be able to get to the point where I have an office and I want to be like, I want to be able to leave my computer at work or leave my iPhone at work and not take it home with me, which took a really long time. Like, again, I've been doing this for 10 years. So it's a slow process, but a deliberate one. And I think that, you know, it might not be as extreme as me, like never share anything personal, get a flip phone, but you can use elements of it in your own business for sure. Thanks. Um, I love that you brought up the flip phone because that was something I wanted to hear more about as well. I know you recently got one and um, it sounds like that's what you take home at the end of the day and you leave an iPhone at work. Um, Is that how you navigate social media still? I would love to hear about how you've managed to create that separation with your phones. Yeah, well, I'm still pretty early. So I only got it on August 4th. So I'm just, I'm, I'm about a month and a half in and... I would say that it's gone well for some weeks and not well for others. But yeah, I, I basically, I have left my phone at work many times. I also usually just leave it in the console of my car so that I like pull in the garage when I get home and then I just leave it there all night, usually to the next morning. Um, I've had a couple of friends, you know, have like something come up in their life in the past month where I was like, I really need to have my phone nearby, like in case someone needs to get a hold of me which threw me for a loop a little bit because I felt like I had all these really clear rules and structures of like how I was going to use the flip phone and how I wasn't. But just to lay it out briefly, basically what I do most of the time is I use my phone, my iPhone while I work. So I work Monday to Thursday, nine to five 30. And so during that time, iPhone is on. It's at my desk. If I need to use it for anything, it's right there. And then outside of those hours, I'm using my flip phone. Like I said, I definitely haven't been perfect all the time. Like for you friends going through things, wanted to be available for them any time of the day, that type of thing. But I feel and have felt so much better, like infinitely better. And I already think that I have some boundaries around Instagram. Like I don't have a business account, so I don't have any analytics. I really am keeping it as kind of minimalist as possible. And this goes for work email too and stuff. And I do bring my laptop home sometimes. So I am kind of tuned in at night if I need to be. But um, I think it's probably just sums up that we all have a different threshold for using all these tools. And, you know, someone, some of like people are so happy posting on Instagram stories 20 times a day and it literally lights them up inside. And that is totally awesome. And if it's you, you should keep doing that. But that is not how I felt. So I was like, I really need to do something to protect my mental health. And the flip phone was great. It cost a hundred dollars for an annual contract 
just got it at Target. And obviously, you know, $100 isn't not a lot of money, but it felt like a reasonable amount of money to pay to kind of like get my self back, honestly. Thank you. I was wondering so much about that. And it's something I've considered a lot for myself, but I just didn't know how to go about it, especially in the industry that we're in needing to have like lots of, I don't know, I feel like all of my apps are very visual and the way I present myself on my apps is very visual. And so um, I felt like I had to be tied to a smartphone. So I really appreciate you kind of sharing how you've been able to balance both mm-hmm. and be able to set boundaries for yourself to help you feel a little bit better when you're not working. Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty minimalistic as well. <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners may not feel that way, um, but if they do, then they'll really appreciate that. Um, I'd love to talk more with you about the idea that you don't have to do what everyone else is doing to be successful. I've noticed you've talked a little bit about how like we're designers. And so we use Instagram a lot. Like a lot of designers will use Instagram to promote their business. And recently you've talked about how not, you don't necessarily need to use Instagram. It's optional. And so if you don't feel comfortable with it, then there are other ways you can go about that. Um, I'd love to hear more from you about that idea that you don't have to do what everyone else is doing to be successful. Can you share a little bit of your insight about that? Yeah, I have definitely a few ideas that are kind of not counterculture, but kind of against the grain um, from what you're hearing these days. You know, there's a lot of like business coaches and just conventional wisdom about the industry that kind of says this is how things have to be. And I definitely believe that there are a million different ways to make a living running a creative business. Um, Yeah, I get clients a lot of different ways. I pitch myself. I have a lot of word of mouth referrals. I use Pinterest. Like being on social media, just as, as this question relates to Instagram, is definitely not the only way to make a living. And also commonly when I talk to designers, um, you know, they'll say, I want to grow my Instagram following because I want more clients. And then I'll say, well, where are your clients coming from? And they'll say 95% of them are word of mouth. And my experience personally has been like, okay, that to me says you need to keep pursuing that because that's obviously a great pipeline. You obviously probably have a great network. It's a good way for you to pursue clients. So I think people really just need to tap into like the actual reality of their business. If you're not getting any leads from social, maybe take the pressure off of yourself to be using it as like a sales tool. That's what happened to me. I was like very convinced that if I got Instagram followers and this is when I had like a hundred, that if I had more, you know, my business would be totally set. But I had my first, literally had my first like six figure year with probably 400 Instagram followers. So there's a million different ways to do it. And I think the idea that you have to be on social all the time, if you want to build a successful business is just patently false, 100%. That's definitely not something that is spoken about very often. Like that's a very, I feel like is a unique idea <laughs> because there is a lot of pressure to be like, if you have a business then you need to be on social media or else your business basically doesn't exist. And that's kind of like the message that people are sharing. But when you really think about it, just like you said, there are many other ways that you can market yourself. And I've also heard 
a couple other people saying, if you don't feel comfortable on Instagram, then don't do Instagram. Like do what you love and present yourself in the best way that you can in those avenues and you'll be happier and you'll find more people that really resonate with you probably in those avenues than you would some of the other places. Yeah, that's so accurate. And yeah, the, I mean, just as a designer alone, I think one of the hard things is people have a difficult time admitting that they're actually on Instagram for the dopamine, which is like totally cool. It feels good to have people be like, wow, I love this. You're amazing. This work is so cool. Like if that's why you're doing it, that's awesome. But you need to own that because as soon as you admit that to yourself, it will be so freeing to be like, okay, I'm doing this because I like meeting other designers who's generally following a lot of, a lot of designers are generally following designers. That seems to be how it goes. And I, you know, I like following other designers. So like community and it feels good to put myself out in the world. Like that's cool if that's what you want to do. But I definitely have friends who have no Instagram, you know, they're maybe using a creative staffing agency or like creative placement agency and they just get a project from their staffing company or placement agency and they do that and it's they have no client management at all so it's and it's totally fulfilling and they're doing great and they're making a great living so it's so hard but you have to really be honest with yourself about like what you're doing and why you're doing it I really agree with that I guess to sum up you don't have to do what everyone else is doing to still be successful. A hundred percent. It's so like relieving to think about things that way. You don't have to be going, you don't have to follow one person who's also in your industry. You don't have to follow them exactly step by step to no, get to who they are. You totally don't. And I, I see this in myself in a lot of pricing. Like you'll hear people say, especially in the design industry, you know, never discount your prices, never do use an hourly rate, never do small jobs. Um, and I do all three of those things. Like I think that there's, I work for free sometimes. I mean, you have to have a deep understanding and sense of self and be confident enough to just like do your own thing. Also, if everyone is doing one thing and you are like brave enough to do the other thing, that's awesome. And it's going to pay off for you. Love that. Um, another idea that I've come across is that you've talked about in the past is small progress is big progress. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about that. Yeah, that was a big one for me um, in the last year. So previously I subscribed or tried to, it never really worked for me. Not surprising, given my personality, which is kind of like Woo, woo, woo. I like to move through the day with a lot of energy. But I was like, everyone is batch working. I have to batch work. That is like what everyone does. And if I don't do that, I'm a failure. So then I had a child and I went from, you know, working like 50 to 60 hours a week. And my, all of a sudden, my childcare in the beginning was like none. So I was really piecing it together with extremely limited time. And I realized that. I needed to take every single valuable second I had and use it to like move forward, even if it was one step forward. So I, 
if I kept waiting for these huge chunks of time to come around where I would be like, oh, I have six hours now to batch work all of my Instagram for the next two months, it was literally never going to happen. And so on client projects for me, that manifests itself as like, okay, if I have 20 minutes, that means I can do some font sourcing or like I can work on one icon or I can work on editing one letter form. And I have to view all of that as super valuable and the whole kind of like Rome wasn't built in a day, but they were laying bricks every hour concept of like, you really need to move forward in small increments. And that is really, that has been freeing for me because it was so, I felt like I was just kind of like running up against a brick wall with batch working and never really felt right to me. And so Now I just see every opportunity that I have to work, however small, as an opportunity to be productive and to make progress on a project. It sounds like you have also become more um, intentional and purposeful with your time as well, that if you only have 20 minutes, what is the best, most productive thing I can do with these 20 minutes? And that's how you've been moving the needle every day. Yeah, absolutely. You have to really see it as, you know, I think for me, the big thing was understanding how much time I actually had available and then reverse engineering my schedule because I would just kind of expand to fill my available time with not super productive things. And when I really looked at it, especially in the beginning uh, last summer when I was working very little, I maybe worked five to eight hours a week. So I really had to ask myself, like, what is going to move the needle here? And for me, it was nurturing existing clients, giving projects my all. Like, it certainly was not spending time on social media. So I think being in touch with that is really important for creatives to do, especially when they have a limited amount of time to work. Definitely. I've learned so much from you, Olivia, and I just really appreciate that we've been able to have a conversation that we can share with others as well. Um, You've just really stood out to me in the industry as people that I look up to and uh, where can the listeners go to learn more from you? So you can follow me on Instagram at Olivia Herrick design, or you can visit my website. I have a special section that is called for designers and it is at Olivia Perfect. Thank you. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. So they can check there. Um, I really appreciate you being here with us. Is there any last thoughts that you would like to share with the listeners before we go? I would say just, you know, hang in there. This has been a really weird year. 2020 has been strange. I told myself that September 1st was going to be my new year, but you can decide that for yourself any day. It could be October 1st. It could be September 28th. So just like pick a day and really commit to making the last portion of this totally wild year a great one. Well, I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Female Empowerment Podcast. I truly appreciate you being here, and I would love it if you shared this amazing episode with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at brandingforwomen.com or send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at brandingforwomen. See you next time.